our family has grown. Welcome to the world, Hannah baby. Introducing a new collection, Hannah Soft, made with Tencel. It's so breathable, with stretchy comfort for all of baby's first moments. And it's cool and gentle on their skin all year round. Entrusted Hannah quality for your most precious gift. Hannah Soft, made to last. Shop now at hannahanderson.com. Middle school, those ages between about 11 and 14, I think we can all agree is a time like no other. Stay tuned for all about middle schoolers. This is the On Boys Parenting Podcast. We are your co-hosts, Jennifer L.W. Fink of buildingboys.net, and I'm Janet Allison of boysalive.com. Thanks for being here, and thank you, too, for supporting our sponsors. Middle school. Those ages between about 11 and 13, I think we can all agree that it is a time like no other. It's when significant biological, neurological, and emotional changes are happening all at the same time. Middle school boys can be a confusing mix. They want to be treated like an adult. They still do incredibly silly things. And along with that, they're trying to figure out who they are, what they believe in, and how they fit in or not with their peers. Our guest today co-founded the Seattle School for Boys, the only all-boys independent middle school in Washington State. When Jen and I heard his TED Talk, Three Skills Every Middle School Boy Needs, we knew we wanted to introduce him to you. Welcome, Jerome. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure for being here. So great to have you. And, you know, your TED Talk has received over 857,000 views, which is awesome. Wow, that's amazing. I haven't checked recently, but that that's a lot of people. <laughs> that's a lot of people. That's a lot of influence. So I'm super excited to dive into those concepts today. But before we do, I got to ask you about your middle school experience. Sure. So I was a peculiar young boy. You know, most yeah. of them are. Yeah. In, so I, I grew up, I was born and raised in Spokane, Washington. And I went to a, a fairly large middle school there. And, and it was a sixth, seventh, uh, and eighth grade experience for me. And uh, going into middle school, I really had no idea what to expect. I had taken the summer to get interested into new things. I was originally into art and sports and I was shy. I'm, I'm still an introvert, uh, but I also was uh, interested in mathematics and music, all of these things. And my middle school experience was kind of like a roller coaster up and down. So my, my first year uh, in sixth grade, I would say that my pilot light for learning was shining so bright, so bright. As my experience continued, there were certain social factors that I felt that I needed to uh, assign myself to, whether it was choosing one interest over another. And so um, one thing that I still regret today is that... Um, I would say that I lost interest in in drawing and in creating art um, for 
such a long time because it wasn't um, seen, I guess, in my social circles as something that was cool. Mm-hmm. Um, what was seen as cool is playing sports and socializing. And, and there's nothing wrong with that. But I think that in my middle school experience, it was communicated to me either overtly or covertly that you've got to choose one thing or another to be accepted. And um, so I kind of struggled with that, but I didn't have the language to communicate that with anybody. I just figured I'm going to go with the flow and uh, this is what my middle school experience is going to be. And, you know, that was the social aspect of it. And then I'm growing, I'm, I'm getting taller, I'm getting peach fuzz, I'm becoming interested in dating and um, I'm also thinking uh, beyond myself. And so I've got all of these things that I'm trying to juggle and uh, I'm not sure how to do that. So I'm dropping a lot of balls. So it was an interesting time for me. Yeah. And that's yeah. pretty much, I, I'm i going to guess, not having ever been a middle school boy, but I was a middle school girl, although it was called junior high back then. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. it is a socially fraught time because as you said you know maybe drawing's not cool but sports is or whatever your particular environment says because it is all about the peers and the environment you could have been somewhere else and art could have been the cool thing and you're not yet strong enough inwardly to be able to say yeah no this is my interest this is my passion and look around and go nobody else is doing this but I still like it Mm-hmm. And hopefully that comes at some point in life. But middle school, it's just, as you said, it's a roller coaster. It is a slippery slope trying to figure out where do I belong? And then, as you said, and your body is changing, your voice is changing, and, and you're getting interested in dating, as you said. And then, oh, wait, there's the academic pressure and what mm-hmm. your parents are telling you. And, you know, I, I'm going to guess you were in middle school, maybe a few years ago and social media might not have been as prominent as it is now throw that in the mix and it is crazy it is a lot i absolutely had no form of social media growing up in middle school we had a landline you know we we um when we communicated we had to dial the phone number memorize the phone number talk to the parents and then talk to your friend. And so right. it was a lot different, right? Um, but, you know, add that to the mix. And, you know, I'm still, with all of this going on, I'm still coming home after school watching cartoons, right? And so it's this kind of tension of of maturing, but still holding on to this um, innocent element of childhood, right? And um, it was definitely a different time. I mean, yeah. I think about uh, students that I've taught uh, recently and and have mentored recently with all that's going on in the world, um, you know, it's it's hard to imagine um, what they've experienced in their development, especially in these critical years between, you know, 11, 13 and 14. Yeah. So fast forward, there you are in middle school. There you are co-founding a school for boys. What Tell us what happened in between. Yeah. So I started my career uh, teaching and it was interesting because my initial um, desire to teach was at the high school level. I wanted to do that just because I felt uh, I would have more of an impact there. 
And I was um, coming out of graduate school and we were, I was looking for jobs and our cohort was doing that. And um, a, 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 a history teaching position opened up at a middle school and it was eighth grade. And I had taken um, my um, student teaching at, at the ninth grade level at a high school. And so I was thinking to myself, okay, um, eighth grade can't be that much different than ninth. It's one year. It's one, yeah, year. one year. And so I took the job um, at a, a middle school teaching eighth grade history. And my mind was blown. I got <laughs> into the class like this is a completely different world than high school. But I, I came to find out how special this time in students' lives are because there's so many things going on and there's still, um, I guess we can call it an innocence to where they're more apt to ask questions that um, are you know directly linked to their interests. And there's also this almost unfiltered desire to be a part of the world. Whereas some of the high school students, and I'm generalizing and, you know, sure. every student is an individual, but um, there's just, just an eagerness to be part of the world. I think that's a little different in middle school than there is in, in uh, high school. And I just fell in love with it. I had uh, taken on that role as a, as a middle school teacher. And then I had an opportunity to become a mentor for young boys after school through a program called My Brother's Keeper. And I hopped on this because I was seeing some differences in the way that our um, female uh, students interacted uh, with school and the academic side, as well as one another, and a difference between how our male students interacted um, with school, uh, academic and socially. And so I was really curious to engage and mentor uh, these young middle school boys on a, a social and emotional level. Mm -hmm. And we had a small cohort, about 13 boys that would meet three times a week after school. And these are also students that I had taught. And so um, the goal for this after school program was to, you know, create a space where they felt comfortable, that they could talk about their grades, their relationships with their teachers, things going on in their personal lives, uh, and eventually social issues. And so it's, mm -hmm. we were able to foster a space where these um, boys felt safe to communicate. And I was pleasantly surprised by the amount of thought that they put into their conversations and then the amount of information that they absorb as individuals. My, my light bulb just went off. I was like, wow, there's such an opportunity here. If a space is created yeah. for these boys to communicate and express themselves and not be judged by it and not feel that they have to follow a certain path and then they can kind of begin to stand firm in who they are and build from there, um, we can really make an impact. And mm -hmm. so I took that uh, idea. I first proposed it to a school. I said, hey, uh, that the school I was working at, I was like, you know, is there any way that we could make this an elective course available to all boys in the school? Um, and, you know, unfortunately, we couldn't because of funding and things of that nature. Sure. Yeah. So really? I took that summer to design a program specifically uh, for middle school boys that um, links social and emotional growth with academic excellence. And I believe like a true education weaves those two things together Definitely. because yeah. that's kind of a holistic approach. And um, uh, was fortunate to, to you know meet with my co-founder 
And we launched uh, the school in 2019 and, have, you know, really um, we created a space for students to be themselves and mm-hmm. to um, have time and space to communicate about all that's going on. And yeah. it's, it's really been a really um, positive. It's been a positive experience for me. Well, and it's so crucial that our boys, and especially at this time, because they've been, you know, fourth, fifth graders, they're kind of just have the world by their by the tail. And then as we've talked about, all these things happen. And I think it is crucial that there are spaces for our boys to gather and be with other boys and as you said, in a non-judgmental space, in a space mm-hmm. where they can really be heard, because mm-hmm. it's not easy to have that opening for our middle school boys, because the masks are coming up and the armor yes. is there. And mm-hmm. the especially, I mean, I just think there's so many societal messages that you got to be this way. You can't be that mm-hmm. way. You got to wear this. You can't wear that. You got to be cool. I mean, you were even feeling it, you know, when you were in middle school, we all do like, what's cool? Where, where am I going to be accepted? And when you can bring these boys together into a eclectic mix, because I'm going to guess there were the, you know, the sports kids and the nerds and the all, the, mm-hmm. all, all. Absolutely. And I think the benefit of it is because it's, you know, the school I opened was a space that was concentrated and intentional, and it had an entire spectrum of what masculinity could look like. And so it really uh, kind of deconstructed some of the societal messages that boys take in either uh, extrinsically or intrinsically. And so you absolutely had students who um, gathered after school to play Dungeons and Dragons and then students who gathered after school to play football. And the beauty of it was that these students were together kind of shoulder to shoulder eight hours out of the day and they're learning from one another. And so you, you get this crossover where, you know, we had several students who would do both of those things. And so it's really uh, showing these boys that instead of either or, it's a both and, and you can really build on certain strengths and take in different perspectives to, you know, um, expand your understanding of who you are and also uh, communicate with people that you might not otherwise in a different academic setting. Because oftentimes we'll see... Um, those students kind of group up and never really interact with one another in traditional school Mm -hmm. settings. And so, you know, one of the benefits was that these students could really interact with one another and it's not always tidy and clean, but, (laughs) you know, as, as educators would call it, we say, uh, desired difficulty. And so it gives students <laughs> opportunities for growth. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I don't think it was all rainbows and unicorns over there at the, at the boys school. <laughs> right. I do want to just, before we launch into the concepts that you, that you built this school upon, cause it's, mm-hmm. and, and that your Ted talk is, is, um, speaks to, I want to just speak to single sex education because still in 2023, our listeners might be questioning, why would you have all boys together? Is this a good thing? What about how are they going to socialize with girls if they are all together as boys? And I will say at the outset that I'm definitely a proponent of all boys schools and all girls schools too. 
quick break here and we'll be back with Jerome to discuss more about masculinity. I like cute clothes. I like having stylish outfits and I hate shopping. Armoire makes getting dressed easier. Armoire is a clothing rental membership option. And Janet and I recently have both tried it out. And you guys, it is so much fun. You go to their website, you get to take a little quick style quiz, takes five minutes, and then you get presented a list of beautiful clothing, pictures, wonderful clothes that you can pick out and get delivered to your house for you to try and wear in the comfort of your own home without going out and determine what looks cute, put together outfits without investing a ton of money. Right now, our listeners can give Armoire a try and get up to 50% off your first month. That is up to $125 off. Just visit armoire.style slash envoys. That's armoire.style, A-R-M-O-I-R-E, dot style slash envoys to get 50% off your first month and never have to worry about what to wear again. Try armoire today. One of the most challenging things about being a woman at midlife is realizing how little people understand about perimenopause and menopause, Janet. I just had a conversation with my sister about that this weekend. She is 10 years younger than me, so I'm 51, she's 41, and she went to ask her healthcare provider, hey, can you provide me some information? And she got information, but she was frustrated by how incomplete it seems, how little we know, and how for way too many people, the answer seems to be, yep, that's the way it is, deal with it. Mm -hmm. Deal with it. And not only are our mamas out there having to deal with perimenopause, likely at this age, but many of our moms are dealing with their sons entering or in puberty, which is kind of nature's irony, which is, oof. Cruel joke, Janet. Cruel joke. Cruel joke. Thankfully, thankfully, increasingly, there are those who are recognizing that women need and deserve competent care and treatment for perimenopause and menopausal symptoms. And we know that can still be harder to access than it should be, which is why we have partnered with Winona. Winona helps women who are dealing with menopause or perimenopause. Winona is a collection of OBGYN health professionals who believe that your symptoms are important, real, and deserve to be taken seriously. Telehealth, you can access care from your home when it is convenient for you. Visit buywinona.com today to start your free visit. With free U.S. shipping and the ability to pause or cancel at any time, your path to wellness has zero obligations. Use the code ONBOYS at buywinona.com for 25% off your first order. That's B-Y-W-I-N-O-N-A dot com slash ONBOYS. Winona, menopause care made easy. I would say that 
we focus more on the idea of, of masculinity and redefining it in a way that is um, beneficial to our society. And this is kind of falling under the umbrella of the patriarchy, where there's been versions of unhealthy masculinity that not only harms boys, but also harms people of all genders. And mm -hmm. I think that if we can really take this opportunity to educate these young boys and people in this age between 11 and 14, it can really shift the way society views masculinity in boys, but also it can shift the way that they're socialized and then in turn shift the way that they interact with themselves and within the world. And I think that it's really focusing on an opportunity to shift uh, the way the world socializes masculinity in boys and for them to also take ownership and agency in doing it themselves. So they feel mm -hmm. empowered and not kind of like I was in middle school where it's like, I guess this is how I'm supposed to be. Yeah. And I think if we do it at the middle school level, it's the op most opportune time to do it. And I would also, you know, say that part of the single sex component, at least for the school that I developed, is that we really focus on communication, but that's not only communicating with one another, but it's really getting out into the community and mm -hmm. um, interfacing with people from all genders and all different um, walks of life, um, young people, old people, uh, just to give them that experience that, you know, the things that they're learning within this education and within this school transfers directly out into the world. And so, mm -hmm. you know, it has this element of reciprocity that they can, um, value. I've been in education for over a decade. And I think the one thing that single sex schools can do is really be intentional about the work that mm -hmm. um, they're, you know, investing in their students. And I think that there's a little bit of a difference there than there are in, um, you know, co-ed schools, mm -hmm. but that's kind of my opinion on that. Yeah. 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 I mean, to be able to have these discussions about masculinity and mm -hmm. what kind of man do you want to be? And here's, mm -hmm. here's examples and here's mentors and people in the community. And, yes. and yes. I love that it's happening in middle school and it's not waiting until, oh, here I am an adult and now I got to figure it out, but that right. you're helping them sift and sort at this age of, you know, what about this meme that you saw in your feed the other day yeah. um, and that you can talk about it? So uh, I want to get into your TED talk. And yeah. uh, and I know this is what your school is founded on. So mm -hmm. tell us about three skills every middle school boy needs. Yes. So I call them the three C's and it stands for having a healthy and balanced confidence, communicating openly and clearly, and contributing to your community. And so thinking about boys and confidence, it, it kind of goes back to my own personal experience where um, I come into middle school with a variety of interests and hobbies. And sometimes those hobbies and interests are socialized out of me and I don't feel whole. And so it's like I'm trying on hats that um, maybe don't fit correctly. And middle school boys deal with this often. And so it's really fostering a sense of confidence within our boys where they can value this both and concept mm -hmm. of 
yes, you can play basketball and be really good at math. And yes, you can be interested in fashion and also technology. And it's like using middle school to build a healthy and balanced confidence within these boys to kind of expand their horizons. And through that, they can take in multiple perspectives. And so they're not siloed into certain groups. And Mm -hmm. we see how oftentimes, even just through, you had mentioned memes, like meme culture, there's a, there's a a rabbit hole that boys can get stuck in to, um, you know, really shield off some of their understanding of the world. And what the healthy and balanced confidence does is it opens them up to new perspectives and helps them to crystallize their identity as they grow in this kind of critical stage. The second is is communication. And this is, you know, I don't know, kind of shameless plug to uh, Mental Health Awareness Month. Not shameless at all. Yeah, I think yeah. that, you know, um, it's important for everyone, boys specifically, to understand that mental health is is critical. It's, it's like physical health, you know, it's, mm-hmm. if you have to exercise it. And so one thing that I believe is critical is for students to understand the difference between like interpersonal communication and interpersonal communication. So oftentimes we have this voice in our head. And so what we try to do, uh, and when I mentor and, and teach students and uh, administrators and teachers to teach students is that, having them just take a moment out of their day to check in with that voice in mm-hmm. in their head and try to determine what the tone of that voice is. Is it angry? Is it happy? Is it indifferent? Because that often projects how you interact with your peers or your family. And so, and is there a way, are there ways to try to change the tone of the voice? And oftentimes, gratitude. Even if you're having a crummy day you say, you know, I'm here, I'm healthy. I have friends mm-hmm. and that can kind of shift, but it's, it's like a muscle. And so it's this practice of having students check in with themselves on a regular basis. And if they find that the voice in their head is not positive, it's okay to then come to a mentor or a teacher or an administrator or a counselor and say, I'm having a crummy day. I, I don't know why, or I do know yeah. why. And it's that space that boys can take an opportunity to check in with themselves. Um, mm-hmm. And parents can do this too. Absolutely. Parents can support their boys to, you know, it might be that the car ride to school is quiet and mm-hmm. it's not parent trying to talk, talk, talk to the boy to, to do your homework, all those things that we do as parents because we care. Yeah. I, I really, truly believe that our boys do need that silent space. Yes, yes. And I think, too, it's for boys, there are times where there's so many things going on that they can't always reduce the complexities into words. And so they might, they're still processing. And so, you know, allowing them to do that. And if they can note that and recognize that, it gives them not only agency, but some empowerment and cause it'll build, you know, it's again, just kind of like a muscle. And I've seen this year after year, time after time, where you'll have a student who you can just see they're processing something and they might not 
you know, respond in the manner of timeliness that you appreciate, but over time, and if they can see that you're working with them, they'll open up and mm-hmm. it's, it's just an investment. And it's one of the more powerful communication techniques that educators and parents can use. Just uh, we call it a mindful minute. It's having them check in with themselves and, you know, um, breathing, you know, there's so much anxiety in schools today that just having some dedicated time, even a minute, um, just kind of sitting, checking in with how you feel, feeling your feet on the ground as you're sitting at your desk or whatnot, can help to alleviate some of the stressors that are so present in our schools. Yeah. And so we, we practice that. We have students practice that. And then interpersonal, and that's how students communicate with one another. And, um, you know, I think it's, it's important for schools to create spaces where students can speak to one another in a constructive way, uh, whether it be a talking circle, structured dialogue, all of these things provide opportunities for students to listen actively because not everybody's an extrovert and, mm-hmm. and has the the appropriate words all the time, but you can listen and hear some of the students who are. And then when the time comes, they're seeing the modeling happen. And mm-hmm. so they can then, okay, this is how you engage this conversation, or this is how you engage this topic. And, yeah. and also for those students who like to talk, they can practice active listening. <laughs> Active listening, indeed. (laughs) And I I mean, this all sounds amazing. And yes, there's, there needs to be structure around that and space given Mm -hmm. to that, which is um, awesome that you can do this in this Mm -hmm. uh, setting. And then there's, you know, I'm just imagining the hallways and the playground sports fields and the locker room. Mm -hmm. And we know that boys have a a certain way of communicating with each other that's a little teasing gets mm-hmm. kind of go over the line at times and parents might see this at home with their with siblings and mm-hmm. um speak to that a little bit absolutely it's- there's often uh ribbing and dissing and <laughs> yeah, this back yeah. and forth and i think uh developmentally there's a natural element to it where these preteens and adolescent boys are trying to push the limits to really determine which environments are safe for them. And so they're, they're always pushing the limits. And I think with having structured time for interpersonal communication helps to offset some of those unstructured moments where they're out on the playground or in the hallway or in the locker room, because it'll happen. And it's only takes a couple of students who understand the appropriate language to uh, disrupt some of the dissing where it's like, mm-hmm. Hey, um, I don't feel comfortable with you saying that, or maybe they don't say that, but they can talk to an adult. And I think that giving them opportunities for healthy communication will oftentimes help to mitigate or disrupt some of that unhealthy communication. Mm -hmm. It's definitely not a silver bullet. And, um, you know, this also can translate into video games. I know that that's another um, mode of communication for young boys is Mm -hmm. speaking in their microphones while they're playing. And some of the language there can be really 
harmful. And so it's, mm-hmm. um, you know, having some of these structured conversations to, to mitigate that, but um, it only takes a couple of confident students to, to, to stand up and say something mm-hmm. again, it's, it's kind of like lifelong work. And oh, yeah. absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. Through my experience, pairing both the intrapersonal communication and the interpersonal communication, I think can oftentimes create healthier relationships through communication where students can advocate not only for themselves and what makes them feel comfortable, but they can also advocate for their friends or other people who mm-hmm. don't yet have the um, tools to do, do so. I think in social situations such as schools, it can sometimes highlight an area for growth for a particular student. If you see a pattern of behavior and say, okay, Mm -hmm. we now know that some of these communication methods are unhealthy. Let's intervene and explain why they might be unhealthy and how we can support that, Mm -hmm. that, that child. But, but I think also um, you had mentioned earlier, there's a lot of opportunity for parents at home to foster some of these, these tools of Mm -hmm. communication. And so that can translate into the the schoolyard or, or their um, extracurricular activities. And as you said, it's a lifelong process. I mean, we're all, we're all just struggling to communicate, (laughs) right? One of the most challenging things about being a woman at midlife is realizing how little people understand about perimenopause and menopause, Janet. I just had a conversation with my sister about that this weekend. She is 10 years younger than me. So I'm 51. She's 41. And she went to ask her healthcare provider, hey, can you provide me some information? And she got information, but she was frustrated by how incomplete it seems, how little we know, and how for way too many people, the answer seems to be, yep, that's the way it is. Deal with it. Mm-hmm. Deal with it. And not only are our mamas out there having to deal with perimenopause likely at this age, but many of our moms are dealing with their sons entering or in puberty, which is kind of nature's irony, which is, oof. Cruel joke, Janet. Cruel joke. Cruel joke. Thankfully, thankfully, Increasingly, there are those who are recognizing that women need and deserve competent care and treatment for perimenopause and menopausal symptoms. And we know that can still be harder to access than it should be, which is why we have partnered with Winona. Winona helps women who are dealing with menopause or perimenopause. Winona is a collection of OBGYN health professionals who believe that your symptoms are important, real, and deserve to be taken seriously. Telehealth, you can access care from your home when it is convenient for you. Visit buywinona.com today to start your free visit. With free U.S. shipping and the ability to pause or cancel at any time, your path to wellness has zero obligations. Use the code ONBOYS at buywinona.com for 25% off your first order. That's B-Y-W-I-N-O-N-A dot com slash ONBOYS. Winona, 
menopause care made easy. So talk about the, you really connect these boys and, and it's important for middle school boys to be connected to their community. I think, you know, one of our uh, deficits in typical education is that we're siloed. Our kids are siloed. Putting all, putting sixth, seventh, and eighth graders all together in one place is kind of crazy making because where does that happen in life? It doesn't. And so how, how important it is to have these awkward growing sixth, seven, eighth graders with little children. And mm -hmm. I mean, I've seen it in schools that I've worked in to have those eighth graders come down to the read with the first graders and the first graders eyes just like, you know, adoring this big, huge eighth grader. And there's not, you know, we don't live in villages anymore where we have the opportunity to interact with youngsters and with with elders too. Absolutely. I think that, um, you know, there was a study in I think 2019 about like the, the loneliness of the American male. Mm -hmm. And as men get older, their social circles become even more siloed and they suffer from loneliness, depression, and things of that nature. And so um, I think highlighting community is, is so critical for the overall well-being of the individual. But to your point where students can have an opportunity to utilize the social and emotional skills that they um, exercise in the classroom and their academic growth in the classroom, and then be generative to younger kids and see this element of reciprocity um, adds value and purpose to not only their work, but to who they are as individuals. And so you get to, you know, and I think it's important for there to be opportunities for mentorship where these middle school boys can say, okay, we've got, you know, we, we, we've uh, in, in, in implemented like um like a reading buddy system and literacy and just understanding the importance of that. Mm -hmm. But it's, it's to your point when they interact with younger kids, there's almost a universal tenderness that's there where it's like, Oh, this, this middle school boy who's growing into a young man is still a middle school boy. And so it kind of helps to put that into perspective, but also the potential that they have as they're mentoring uh, these younger students. And then on the other side, our school interacts with so many different um, community members, but uh, senior citizens, uh, and just being able to see that throughout the spectrum of life or the circle of life, however we look at it, the through line is tenderness. And if we can keep that center comes, you know, compassion, empathy, being gentle, you know, and this is where kind of the redefining of masculinity can, can take place. And it's um, having these experiences with community that can help the individual say, oh, I'm not here alone. I'm in this with everybody else. I have value. I'm doing these things. These, you know, let's say elders, and I, I, I say that in a very um, respectful way, have value. And I hope to be like them when I get older. And then, you know, there's also 
um, cultural communities, uh, ethnic communities, academic, athletic communities, where they get to interact with different individuals, individual groups in a way that I think in the end adds purpose to what they're doing. And it doesn't feel so siloed or mm -hmm. so singular. And it's not without adding value to being independent. I think that there's um, a lot of value in that. But the community engagement, I think, is this reminder that we can all be different, but together, if yeah. that makes sense. Yeah. And yeah. so there's um, there's that. And I think that just the way that the middle school mind or brain works, it creates these kind of neuro pathways that are solidified through these experiences, you know, and communities is, is so critical in that. And we want to combat some of the unhealthy communities that are built yeah. with the online stuff, or it's, it's, you know, getting back to like the human connection and understanding mm -hmm. that one of the main things is this understanding that we're all humans and we all have different interests. And, mm -hmm. um, you know, if, these middle school boys can have these experiences that are visceral and they can see their purpose or find their purpose within that. I think it transfers, you know, as they move through their academic journey, but, mm -hmm. but through life in the end, my hope, and you know, I've, I've seen it. And I think I'm a, a big believer in it just helps to shift the way society operates and how mm -hmm. we interact with one another. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so I'm gonna I'm gonna shift us a little bit because I'm curious what you would say. I'm always thinking about our listeners, and I'm a family coach, so I work with a lot of parents that have middle school boys, mm -hmm. and I wonder what you would say to a a solo mom mm -hmm. raising mm -hmm. a middle school boy, and she feels like she's losing him. He doesn't talk to her. He wants to be with his friends. He only wants to, you know, come home and play video games. And her heart is breaking because she feels like she's losing her connection to, you know, that sweet little fourth and fifth grader who's now mm -hmm. more interested in other things besides home life and family. Give us some hope, Jerome. I will. And there's a couple of things that come to mind. So my mom was a single mom and I'm the oldest of three. And so I kind of naturally have this element of independence, but so, so I can kind of speak from that perspective. I think too, there's a tension in this age between parents, uh, I think specifically moms, where the middle school boy, as he's getting older, is yearning for autonomy and independence and freedom. And there's nothing really tangible about that in those ages. So for example, high schoolers, 16, you get your car, you're the freest person in the world, yeah. or you're 18, you can vote, right? But none of those tangibles are present in the ages between 11 and 14. And so you've got this exploration of this boy trying to do his own thing, but he doesn't quite know how to do it. And so I think sometimes the silence is that child or preteen trying to figure it out and not, not wanting to communicate to the parent because they're trying to, that's their um, idea of like independence and autonomy. 
-hmm. And I think, you know, obviously the parent, the mom has this acute understanding of like, oh, this is no longer my 10 year old or, you know, nine year old. And they're growing into their own, their own person. I think that the, some of that tension is unavoidable. However, it can be buffered by asking questions. Not all the time, listeners. Not all the not time. All the time. <laughs> I think to <laughs> if the if the mom could, there's a panic. There's 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 this elusiveness of the child. It's like ah, I'm losing. They're going to be driving. They're going to be in different relationships, right? There's that. Mm -hmm. And I, I think just as these middle school boys should take a mindful minute, I would say that the parents can take a mindful minute, just kind of check in with where they are in this whole process. I think that asking questions is good. If there's a, um, an opportunity to kind of carve out some autonomy um, for that child, you know, have some um, parameters around it, whether it's, you know, letting them know that, you know, once the homework's done or once their home responsibilities have been, their chores have been completed, you know, one day out of the week, they can hang out with their friends, but no later than nine o'clock, 10 o'clock. Mm -hmm. I think ultimately it's for the mom or parents and child to negotiate. And I think some of the negotiation allows for agency to develop within the student or within the child where it's like, oh, my, my parents are actually listening to what I have to say. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, the parents are getting intel where it's like, okay, this is really what my child is looking to do. And there's some negotiation taking on. I think that that's where the development into a young adult starts to take place. And it's no longer a binary where it's, mm -hmm. you're doing this because I said that. And, you know, yeah. Um, yeah. so I think that, finding space for negotiation, negotiation yeah. and collaboration. And, yes. and within that is, you know, the boy is learning the skills of speaking up for this is what I would like. Mm -hmm. And the parents are listening. He feels listened to, I think is really important. And a lot of parents that I work with, with kids this age, it's like, your parenting has to shift you. Mm -hmm. It's as you said, it's no longer because I said so. It's now like, oh, here's here's options. Let's weigh out, you know, if you spend all weekend at your friend's house and you still have that report due, mm -hmm. when's it going to get done? And that's helping the boy begin to manage his own life with some autonomy and parents, you know, you're still the safety net for mm -hmm. that for that child and he will fail. And mm -hmm. he will make mistakes. And this is the time when we want them to make those mistakes because they're they're held. They're held at school. They're held at home. And I love that you said this. there's this panic because there is. Because especially as females, we tend to easily project into the future. Mm -hmm. Like if he's not talking to me now in seventh grade, oh my gosh, he's never going to talk to me again. And, you know, what's going to happen when he's adult and and it doesn't unfold that way, right. most right. likely. And so, as you said, take that mindful minute. What's this voice telling me right now? Am I afraid? Am I, you know, worried? What's going on? And to shift that into how can I trust my boy? So, mm -hmm. And he will feel that so deeply. I think you would agree. Mm -hmm. 
when Mm -hmm. he knows the adults around him are like, yeah, we got you. And we trust that you'll make mistakes, but we also trust that you're going to make good decisions in your best interest. I think that was perfectly said. I think that that's, that's exactly it. And it's the investment. And it's those moments where the, the trust is, is embedded in the negotiation and the questions are asked. I think too, as boys in this opportune time are growing, whenever the parents can authentically ask their child, why are they interested in this? Or why is it that they feel you know, so strongly about this? I think it gives them that opportunity to analyze, which is so critical. Like critical thinking is <laughs> it's almost a lost art sometimes, <laughs> yeah. right? Yeah. <laughs> but it, it's just, you know, not in this, you know, like in, in a very gentle, authentic way. Like, why is it that this particular activity is so important to you? And it gives the the boy an opportunity to think about that and then to communicate that or to come back to you and, and talk about that. And I think that in that the dialogue, it helps the child understand that the parenting is shifting a little bit and I'm given opportunities to grow into these interests that I feel so strongly about without feeling rejected or without it feeling hyper rigid, uh, you know? Mm -hmm. And um, I think in that lies the trust, which again, manifests itself kind of later down the road, a couple of years, you know, as they're in high school, it's like, mom, um, I'm really interested in this girl, or I'm really interested in whatever. And they can feel comfortable talking about some of these challenging Mm -hmm. social scenarios that we've all Mm -hmm. been met with. And so it's kind of planting those seeds now. And it's never immediate with the middle school boys. It's like, you know, sixth graders set really different from their seventh grader and their seventh grader is different from their eighth grader. It's, Mm -hmm. it's, you know, each year is like, it's a different person. Yeah. And as you said at the beginning, it is a roller coaster ride. Buckle your seatbelts, baby. It is. And, and then it smooths out and you're, as you said, planting seeds for the amazing adult he is going to become. Yes. Yeah. Jerome, where can our listeners find out more about you and we will put the link to your TED talk in the show notes for sure, but listeners can Google. Yes. Google me. I have a website, jeromeleehunter.com on there. You'll find my TED talk and um, some writing. Uh, I'll be working on a book about redefining masculinity through the um, middle school grade levels. You can contact me through the website. So if you'd like more information about what I've spoken about, feel free to reach out. Mm -hmm. Awesome. And we'd love to have you back when that book comes out, Jerome. Wonderful. Yes, it'll be out soon. Thank you so much for being with us today. It was a pleasure. Thanks for having me. I love that he talks about the seeds that you're planting now, the payoff, the fruit will be in the future. So have patience with your middle school boys. This is the On Boys Parenting Podcast. We are your co-host, Jennifer L.W. Fink of buildingboys.net, and I'm Janet Allison of boysalive.com. Thank you for being our listeners. If this was valuable to you, share it with an educator, share it with a school admin, share it with a fellow boy parent. And thank you again for supporting our sponsors.
our family has grown. Welcome to the world, Hannah baby. Introducing a new collection, Hannah Soft, made with Tencel. It's so breathable, with stretchy comfort for all of baby's first moments. And it's cool and gentle on their skin all year round. Entrusted Hannah quality for your most precious gift. Hannah Soft, made to last. Shop now at hannahanderson.com.